Hello, and welcome to the next episode of Best Ever or Guilty Pleasure. My name is Jarrett, and I love movies. And oh boy, am I excited about this one. I put a lot of thought about which one of these movies I would choose, and I think I made the right choice. Today, we will be watching Batman and Robin. Released in 1997, it stars George Clooney in his only outing as the Masked Crusader, Chris O'Donnell as Robin, Alicia Silverstone as Batgirl, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze, and Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy. It's the last Batman movie directed by Joel Schumacher, and the last one before Christopher Nolan would reboot the franchise once again with Batman Begins in 2005. It has a ridiculous 21% on Rotten Tomatoes, and honestly, that's one of the reasons why I chose it. In the late 80s, Tim Burton rebooted the Batman franchise after a 23-year absence from the silver screen. Batman in 1989 was dark, gritty, and fit the persona of Batman. The previous movie was 1966's Batman and was more light-hearted than Burton's, to say the least. He followed that up with Batman Returns, uh, which sports a certified fresh 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. That one is so good and probably would have been a great pick for this. Uh, I remember Danny DeVito absolutely killing it as the Penguin. He was almost unrecognizable and with a disgusting uh, particular scene with black goo coming out of his mouth. I just remember that movie being great. Uh, Burton decided not to continue for the third movie, and Schumacher joined to make the movies a little more family-friendly. Batman Forever came out in 95 and was a commercial success, but was critically panned. It's a bit better than Batman and Robin at 39% on Rotten Tomatoes. Michael Keaton was Burton's Batman, uh, but Val Kilmer joined on with Schumacher, as Keaton didn't agree with Schumacher's vision. Then Batman and Robin came out. George Clooney replaced Val Kilmer, who had scheduling conflicts with the movie The Saint, which earned about $100 million less than Batman and Robin, but I still feel like Kilmer dodged a bullet. There's a couple reasons why I chose this movie of all the Batman movies that I just mentioned. Uh, First, I will be doing a separate episode on The Dark Knight at some point, Uh, so the Nolan movies are off the table for now. I wanted to choose from the four that came out in the 80s and 90s, and I had to narrow it down somehow. Uh, While the Burton movies are really good, uh, I feel like the Schumacher movies are in the territory of being maybe so bad that they may just be good. I figured I would test that out with arguably the worst of the bunch, Batman and Robin. I remember this movie being entertaining, but pretty ridiculous. With the Nolan movies existing, it's really hard to compare Batman movies nowadays. There is definitely some nostalgia attached to this one. I will admit I had a huge crush on Alicia Silverstone back then. Uh, This movie definitely helped that out. Uh, Watching this again will really test if the nostalgia stands the test of time. Uh, Comics are hard to translate into movies, with Batman not really being... A superhero per se, but really just a rich guy with some toys, uh, it seems the tendency is to try to make the movies quote-unquote normal for him. Uh, take Superman. It's hard to normalize the Man of Steel. 
He's literally an alien with super strength, flight, and laser beams that come out of his eyes. It's hard to make that normal. However, Batman's villains are far from normal. That's what I remember really kind of threw this movie off the rails. Schwarzenegger plays Mr. Freeze, a human who is dependent on a Sub-Zero suit and uses a ray gun to freeze people. Poison Ivy is a plant-human hybrid, and Bane is a superhuman wearing a gimp mask that looks like he has severe jaundice. It's hard to take this movie seriously. I remember the ridiculous suits that they wore, too. Batman can't turn his head because of the rigid cowl, and his and Robin suits have nipples, which is just unnecessary. Uh, the silver and blue suits that they wear at the end look cool, but I think they only had the alternate suits really just to sell toys. Why make the movies family-friendly if you're not going to try to sell merch at the same time? They also made a point to show the heroes donning the suits with graphic close-ups of his of their crotch, chest, and butt. It was it was ridiculous. I'm really excited to watch this movie again and to see if it really deserves all the hate that it gets. Is it so bad that it's good? Let's find out. Next up, I will watch the movie. I will take notes on what I see and report back in a bit. I will be talking in detail about this movie, so spoilers ahead. Uh, additional spoiler warning for Batman Forever, since this movie is a direct sequel for that one, so I'll probably be talking a little bit about that one. The question I will be trying to answer is, is this movie the best ever, or just a guilty pleasure? I think we all know the answer to that, but let's watch out. Let's watch and find out. And we're back. Boy, do we have a lot to talk about. Without further ado, let's get started. I will not sugarcoat this. Let's get this out right away. This movie is bad. <laughs> it is entertaining, but boy, is it bad. The story is terrible, and the dialogue is even worse. The entire script is one-liners. I kept track of only Mr. Freeze because I knew it would be a big job if I did it for everybody, but I got at least 40 one-liners from him alone. I know comic books are full of quips and one-liners, but there's more substance in the comic than just those quips and one-liners. Batman is now, as with the previous movies that came out, as more dark, but Warner Brothers wanted this movie and the previous movie Batman Forever to be more family-friendly, which is why they hired Joel Schumacher to be the director. Clearly, that was the wrong choice. In trying to do some research on this Batman movie, uh, I was hoping to see what influenced the stories, because that's usually a big deal in comic book movies. To my surprise, but not really any surprise, it didn't really seem like there was a clear influence. influence. There were some references to the comics, but it was loose at best. There was just things all over the place taken from different points in Batman's history. The Dark Knight trilogy was obviously influenced by several comics, most notably The Long Halloween, The Killing Joke, and Nightfall, but it's really hard to nail down Batman and Robin's ties to the actual source material. However, there is a thought that the movie is pretty faithful to early Batman. Batman, when he first came out, was campy and almost fun in those early days. He was a rich guy who dressed up and beat criminals with crazy shticks. 
in this movie, people are flying around after being hit. I wouldn't have been surprised to see large pop art letters of BAM and POW pop up on the screen. But I, I think if this movie and its predecessor would have been separated from Burton's darker vision of Batman, people might not have been so harsh on this one. Uh, that doesn't really excuse how bad it actually is. Watching this movie now, in 2022, it's really hard to take it seriously. Since this movie, we've had Nolan's iconic Dark Knight trilogy, and most re recently Matt Reeves' The Batman, which was excellent. This is a rare example of movies coming out after this one that just ruins it forever. I guess maybe not so rare, but in this particular instance, those movies ruin this movie forever. Take some of the other movies that I've watched. Uh, Garden State will always be a great movie to me. There are no other movies like Garden State um, in the Garden State IP that ruin it. Uh, Truman Show is the same thing. Inception is by itself. That movie will stand alone. There are just better Batman movies to watch than this one. There's no reason to go back and watch this one, if not for just the nostalgia. And on that note, I feel like this movie has a great bit of nostalgia for me. Uh, Batman Forever, however, with its excellent Kiss from a Rose-fueled soundtrack, has a bit more of a spot in my heart, I think. One of the big criticisms of this movie is uh, that it really only exists to sell toys. And really, that's the truth. In the movie alone, you have a lot of potential for toys. Batman, Robin, and Batgirl all have two distinct outfits. They also each have two vehicles. You have Mr. Freeze and his vehicle, Poison Ivy and Bane. You have Mr. Freeze's henchmen, which fill out his lair. Uh, I looked on a website that cataloged all the toys created around this movie, and there were, no joke, at least 40 different distinct toys. It's crazy. Uh, the majority of those toys didn't even appear in the movie. You have a Batman in every color, purple, blue, bright green, with all sorts of projectiles and vehicles and, and, and all these crazy things that don't even make any sense when attached to this movie. The commercials for these toys, I remember, were just ridiculous. Uh, Taco Bell had the cups with all the main characters on them, and those sold like hotcakes for only 49 cents. It was crazy. I understand the criticism that this movie was really only made for toys, but that, I mean, to be honest, it also happens today. Every single Star Wars movie has that cute side character that makes great toys for kids. I'm looking at you, BB-8 and Porgs. This movie is no different from that, but maybe a little bit too on the nose and a bit too much. Uh, Batgirl has two outfits. Uh, one she only wears in one scene, and she, she's not even in the movie that much, but you better believe they sold that toy. Then there is the elephant in the room. DC. DC Comics. DC has really always struggled with movies. And, and let's be honest, Marvel wasn't the movie juggernaut it is now. The closest movie to come out around this one for Marvel was Blade in 1998, which was better than this one, but really not by much. There's also the infamous 1994 Fantastic Four movie that was made only to hold the trademark so they can make a better one in the future. Spoiler alert, they did make that one in the future, and it was still really bad, even though it also got a sequel, which was a bit better, but still. 
DC, for all intents and purposes, hasn't always been bad. Uh, Superman had a lot of early successes in the 70s with the original Superman and uh, the in the 80s with the next two Superman movies. Superman 4 was really bad. Uh, and the other movies that came out around this time that were DC uh, was uh, Swamp Thing and a sequel to Swamp Thing, which were really bad. And uh, let's not forget, though, uh, Green Lantern, which is another Marvel movie, which Ryan Reynolds apologizes for on a regular basis. Um, Nolan's Batman trilogy and Watchmen are uh, sh bright, shining stars around uh, DC. But it honestly gets worse with the DC Cinematic Extended Universe, starting with The Man of Steel. Uh, that's the first movie in that started that all out in 2013, which honestly was a bit late because the the uh, Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe started earlier, I think in 2008 with Iron Man. Um, the DC Extended Universe just got another movie that just came out literally a couple weeks ago with Black Ad Adam, which is still in theaters as of this recording and is currently bombing at the box office. Of the current 11 movies in the DCEU, maybe Zack Snyder's version of the Justice League is the best. It's it's good, but it's still not the best. Uh, MCU and DCEU aside, uh, Batman and Robin is just bad. I, I mentioned that earlier, that it may be so bad that it's good. I'm not sure that's the case. Along with the whole script of one-liners, uh, there's a bad case of overacting for everyone. Uma Thurman is the biggest offender. I appreciate what she was doing, but wow, she was giving it her all. Thinking critically about this, though, Poison Ivy was probably the best character in the movie. She showed herself as a true villain. She was the mastermind behind everything that happened. Granted, her motives were ridiculous. She's trying to fund her research into merging plants with animals to make plants more powerful. Stupid. But she controls Bane, more on that later, and manipulates every single man, including Dr. Freeze. She does something actually evil by kicking his wife's plug out of the cryogenic chamber in an attempt to kill her and then blame it on Batman. That's actually pretty dark. She, however, survives, but still, the act of doing it was pretty dark and pretty villainous. She can control plants, but doesn't really use it that often. Um, she uses her pheromones for like 90% of her schemes. And I get that the majority of her enemies and allies are men, but come on. She does have poison kisses, which she uses a couple times, but is thwarted easily by Robin in an awkward scene with wax lips. Weird. Uh, Mr. Freeze is motivated by anger and was very easily motivated by Poison Ivy. His story is pretty tragic and had a lot of promise, but he was just a pawn this entire time. His suit and gun being powered by diamonds doesn't really make sense. And like I said earlier, almost his entire dialogue is one-liners, with over half of them ice-related. One thing that is overlooked, and uh, but absolutely shouldn't be, is Bane. Bane is wrong. Uh, in the comics, Bane is one of Gra Batman's greatest foes. Not only is he super strong, like he is in this movie, but he's also super smart, like he isn't in this movie. 
He's clearly dumb in this movie. He only speaks by repeating what he hears and just follows Poison Ivy around like a lost puppy. In the comics, he literally breaks the bat by breaking Batman's back and leaving him a paraplegic. And that Batman actually leaves and another Batman has to step in. Um, but Bane is the Lord of the Underworld after actually doing something with Batman. Uh, this moment is captured in part uh, in The Dark Knight Rises. But in this movie, Bane is just a big strong dummy who eventually gets defeated by pulling a tube out of his head. Pathetic. Then you have the heroes. I'm on the fence as to who plays the best Batman out of all these movies. Um, I'm afraid to discuss that in public because I know how people, uh, how fierce people are in that debate. But I believe most people agree that George Clooney is probably the worst. Not that he did a bad job, but he, he didn't really get a good script. He's just grumpy and meh. He's sort of a non-issue, to be honest, in a Batman movie. I feel like this movie really belonged to Robin and Batgirl. The only emotion he shows is whenever he's yelling at Robin. He doesn't even show much emotion when Alfred gets sick, and he's reminiscing about how he was raised by him. He's just kind of flat. Uh, Robin is whiny and impulsive. He is go, go, go all the time and doesn't act very mature. He's been through a lot, but apparently didn't learn from any of it. He falls in love with Poison Ivy because of the pheromones, but then he also falls in love with Barbara or, or Batgirl. Just like Batman, his character is not really fleshed out. Then you have Barbara, or Batgirl, who is also not that fleshed out. She shows up out of nowhere, um, steals a bike and does dangerous bike races, then cracks the easiest encryption ever on Alfred's CD to find the Batcave. Batman and Robin just kind of accept it and start working with her. There's no real reaction to the fact that her uncle, which, by the way, the math is way off on that, uh, is butler to a rich guy who ends up being the famous masked vigilante Batman. She finds the Batcave and is like, oh, cool, and joins in on a dangerous mission. Just out of nowhere. Ridiculous. Uh, I will say that one thing that is not done well in the DC movies is Robin. Clearly, this Robin was not that great. In the DC Extended Universe, and spoilers for that, uh... Okay, if you want to continue listening. Uh, Robin is dead before the movies even start. Ben Affleck's Batman keeps his, keeps his suit as a reminder of what the Joker did. But Robin isn't in the entire movie, in the entire uh, DC Extended Universe because he's dead. The cartoons, however, really do Bat Robin justice, but not in the movies at all. Uh, there was a rumor from Chris O'Donnell that there was a plan to have a Robin-centric movie after Batman and Robin, but those plans were scrapped when this one bombed. Nolan kind of teased a Robin with Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character in The Dark Knight Rises, John Blake, uh, because his first name was revealed as Robin. That will go nowhere, as Nolan is not planning on continuing that story. The reason why I feel like Robin deserves a better shot in the movies is that Robin is way more integral to Batman than I feel people realize. 
technically, in the golden age of Batman in the 50s, uh, up to the 50s, Robin has more appearances than Batman in comic books. He joins early on in Batman's run and is by his side for most of his appearances, Batman's appearances. He gets his own run, with Batman only appearing in a few, and eventually he surpasses Batman in appearances in comic books. Clearly, Batman takes the throne again with multiple runs without Robin, but the fact remains, Robin is a character worth exploring. Especially with this being the last official Batman movie uh, appearance for Robin. He deserves better. No offense, Chris O'Donnell. All in all, I'm glad I watched this movie. However, I feel like I need to watch The Dark Knight or The Batman to cleanse my palate. If you like this movie, it is definitely a guilty pleasure for you. No shame. Well, maybe a little shame. Thanks for listening to this week's Best Ever or Guilty Pleasure. We'll be back next week with another movie from my past. Please rate and subscribe as it helps more people see the podcast. Till next time, watch more movies. Watch more movies.